just to fill you in a little bit, um, Patty and I have been very blessed to be able to spend uh, a week with my parents. I only get to see my parents once a year. They're 88 years old. They, uh, they both live in Florida, and uh, they can't travel anymore. They're, they can walk around with walkers and stuff, but uh, they, they, uh, they don't get on a plane anymore and come to New York like they used to. So it's only when I get down there that I get to see them. So we, we went down. We spent a week with them. Uh, I had a, a slight pains of guilt as I was on the cell phone with my son. He was in my garage trying to get my snowblower started so that he could do the 30 inches of snow that was falling in Hyde Park. I can't believe what came while we were gone. And it, what was also amazing is we were... We traveled in, in about a week's time. We were down, actually down there in eight days. When we went down there, the weather was fine, and we had no trouble with the plane. When we came back, the weather was fine. We had no trouble with the plane. And in between, all that stuff happened. So uh, we, we, we came back uh, Wednesday evening. Uh, we watch our grandkids on Thursdays and Fridays, so we had to make sure we were back for that. And then uh, Saturday morning, uh, we were actually supposed to have brunch with Tim and Jenny, and uh, Tim uh, and Jenny called us early Saturday morning, and Tim told us that he wasn't feeling well, that he was he was sick. And uh, guess what? You're preaching tomorrow. <laughs> so here I am. We were we were planning on uh, doing uh, in, in March uh, a, a series, actually two 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 week series on the blessings of God. So I'm going to start that today. It was with kind of like one day of preparation, but there's, there's really a, a lot of things that have been kind of mulling over in my head for a long time. So that's what, that's what you guys are going to get today, and we'll see how it goes. So I'd like to start off in the book of Acts. And if, if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, that would be great, but it's uh, chapter 17. And we're going to go down to basically verse uh, 26. But before I start, let, let me um, kind of fill you in as to what this is. There was at one time Paul was uh, walking in Athens and he saw all these statues to all these gods and everything. And then he saw this one statue and it said to the unknown God. And Paul said, huh, now I have my chance because this is the unknown God. I can tell him who the unknown God really is, which is Jesus Christ. So that's that's the basis of this. But. In here, there are two verses that really uh, have struck me and have, have uh, shown me a, a number of things. And so we're going to start in verse 26. And it says, And he has made, meaning God, he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Now, the, the, the real lines that really stri- strike me here is, is that he has determined pre-appointed times and boundaries for each one of us, which to me, it, it tells me that God placed me here in America, within these boundaries, and at this appointed time. And it really speaks to me because, you know, God tells us he does have a plan and a purpose for us. 
So what is that plan and purpose that he has for us in the United States here in America and at this particular time? And a number of things really strike me when I, when I think of this. The first thing that really strikes me is, is Thanksgiving. Because I, I look at the world as it is. Two-thirds of the world goes to bed hungry every night. And we don't experience that. About 25% of the world lives on a dollar a day or less. And we don't experience that. So God's telling me, you know, I, I, I don't really thank God for that often, you know, and I, and I really need to start. It's, it's, it's something that he's really showing me to live in this spirit of thanksgiving. I could have been born in the jungles of Africa somewhere. We basically have nothing. I could have been born in a Muslim country where I would have been brought up Muslim, or if I came to know the Lord, I would face serious persecution because of it. And none of these things I'm experiencing because I was born here in America. So that's the, the very first thing is the, is the Thanksgiving. But the second thing that I feel God was showing me too is judgment. You know, we're all going to be judged at a certain period of time. If God is giving my cost, all of this stuff, then I, at the same time, I'm responsible for it. That someday, when I stand before God and I have to give, you know, a, a thing of what I've been doing all my life, he's going to ask, you know, I gave you all this stuff. What did you do with it? You know, did you hoard it for yourself or did you share it with the rest of the world? Did you, you know, you know, how selfish were you? How prideful were you? And, and all of these things. So it's a, it's a thing that kind of mulls over in my mind is, you know, how am I handling all of these things that God has supplied me with? Because I have a roof over my head. I have a bed to sleep in every night. I have food on the table all the time. And there are many people in the world that don't experience that at all. The third thing he's showing me is looking at America and basically it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see how America has gone downhill spiritually, you know, over the past decades and, you know, that, that the United States is not in good shape. And it's what part that I have in that. Now, I'm not a politician, so I'm not you know, uh, in, in Washington making decisions or anything like that. But my life can affect those things. My prayer life can affect those things. Uh, things that I uh, say or do in public, how I vote, different things like that can affect all of these things. Because there's, there's so much that has happened in this country, um, you know, through the, through the years. And I, I've done a lot of studying with history because I, I used to teach social studies in fifth grade. And, you know, I read books like The Light and the Glory and, and books like that where you really see, uh, you, get, you get, kind of get America from a Christian point of view. And God has given us so much. I mean, this country, he has blessed in so many ways. And you, you just go right back to the very beginnings and the pilgrims coming over, 
for religious reasons, basically, to come over and not only to live here and to have those religious freedoms that they were seeking, but also to bring the Native Americans to the Lord. I mean, that was part of their purpose. And when they wrote that Mayflower Compact, how our founding fathers based a lot of our Constitution on that Mayflower Compact that was there. And we had such godly leaders in the beginning of our country. The people that wrote our Constitution were very godly men. They weren't necessarily all Christians, but they were godly men. And then how we had leaders on through George Washington, an extremely godly man. And the stories that go behind, beyond the, uh, for his, uh, his life and, and how he lived and how God preserved him and set him up as uh, our, our first president. And we look at uh, Abraham Lincoln coming along and, and, and just men like that through the, through the years. Abraham Lincoln in 1863 basically said, we have forgotten God. And we were starting on a downhill slide back then and we're not anywhere near as bad as, as, we, are, as we are now. Uh, we, there was a, a man, um, his name was Alexander uh, Solzhenitsyn or something like that. I, I, I'm probably destroying it if he were, if he were here because um, he passed away, I think, in 2008. So he doesn't uh, think. But he, was a, he, was a, he won Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, he was a novelist, historian from Russia. And uh, they invited him to speak at a commencement exercise in Harvard. Uh, it was back in 1978. And, uh, of course, that was, he was just coming out of the throes of communism. And, of course, most of the students there expected him to speak about how bad things were under communism and stuff. And I think he did probably touch on that a little bit. But mainly he touched on how bad things were going in Britain and America during his speech. And he basically he talked about uh, uh, having that male image and how important that male image is in the family and how uh, we really need to get back to God. And at the end of the commencement, he was booed. They actually booed him. And you just you can see the flavor of what is happening in our country where you mentioned God and right away it's, you know, it's not accepted. That uh, separation of church and state, which you hear all the time whenever you want to talk about religion and regard that, that it's a lie from the pit of hell. I mean, and it, it really has done a lot of damage in our nation because it silenced Christianity in our country. I'd like to show you, because we're talking here about the blessings of God, and it sounds like this is very, very negative, but we want to talk about what we need to do and how, and as we do it, the blessings that are going to be poured out on us. I'd like to go into Deuteronomy, and this is a familiar passage, uh, Deuteronomy 28, where we talk about the blessings and the curses of God. So we're going to go to Deuteronomy 28, verse, right, and verse 1. And as we look at this, we're going to see that if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, which basically is being obedient to what God asks us to do, the blessings that we will receive. 
And we can take this. I know this is written basically for the Israel at the time, but this certainly applies to the people of God today. So starting in verse one, it says, now it shall come to pass. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord, your God, will set you high above all the nations of the earth. See, when we're obedient, it's not just us that's going to experience those blessings. Our country gets to experience those blessings. So we as the church, all right, if we are obedient to God now, Obedience to God is not just obeying the Ten Commandments that he passed down to Moses. God has a lot of things that he has asked us to do. One of them we're going to look in specific, we're going to look at later. But he's asked us to do things, and we really need to do them. And when we don't do them, we're being disobedient. Even if we're still obeying the Ten Commandments, we're not being totally obedient, which means that we don't receive the blessings. So let's see what those blessings are. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. So he's covering all of the land that you're living in. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Okay, so he's talking about prosperity in those. Blessed be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command a blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he is, as he is sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Okay, I, when, I, when I look at this and I read this and I see all those blessings, and, so, and some of us probably experience some of these blessings. I don't think as a nation, though, we're experiencing these blessings. And it, I, I think it's because the church has not been totally obedient to God, you know, and to, to the things that God has shown us. Um, there's many things today that the church in general, okay, is fighting to keep whether it be, you know, things like homosexuality or abortion or things like that, where the church is actually supporting those things rather than fighting against it. All right. Now, we'll, we'll look at some of those as, as we go through and see. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 22. And we're going to look down at verse 23. And this 
specifically says, it says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, say to her, You are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. And we're going to see some of the issues, some of the problems in Israel that are the same problems that we are experiencing here in America. The conspiracy of her people, I'm sorry, the conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey they have devoured, uh, tearing the prey they have devoured people, they have taken treasure and precious things, they have made many, many widows in her midst. Her priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and the unholy, nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean. They have hidden their eyes from my Sabbaths, so that I I am profaned among them. So the first two things that were not right in Israel at the time were the prophets and the priests. Okay, the religious leaders in Israel. So we have to look in America at our religious leaders. Are our religious leaders leading in that right way? Are our prophets telling about repentance? Or are they telling about just the feel-good stuff that, you know, you are going to uh, experience this and all the blessings of God and everything. Not that that's bad, But it's bad if you leave everything else out because repentance needs to be in the church today first before all of these things. I heard this story about uh, it was a group of prophets traveling around Europe. This is probably going back 30 or 40 years ago. But uh, they were were traveling around Europe uh, at this time going from country to country to country to country. And in every country, they would go into the churches and they prophesied basically the same thing and everything. Uh, there's going to be a great revival and this, this country is going to be the country that leads the revival. You're going to be the head of it. And this was preached in about three or four different countries right in a row. Same things. Okay? Basically not, you know, hearing from God and speaking what God's saying to them. Uh, being more interested probably in the finances and money that they could receive from that. So it was priest and prophet. And he says the priests uh, have profaned my holy things, not counting God as being holy. You know, we, God is our friend, but he's also God. And we have to realize that too and, and treat him as being holy, being set apart. Okay, verse 27 her princes, now that those were the secular leaders of the day, okay, so this would go into our uh, leaders within our, in Washington and Albany and so on. Her princes in her midst are like wolves, tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy people, and to get dishonest gain. Her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divot. Uh, divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord God, when the Lord had not spoken. And then finally, the people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger. Now, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. God says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me 
on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Okay, so, you know, we, we have to kind of take this in and see what is God showing us? What, what things does God really want us to do? Well, here's one of the things that God wants us to do. Let's go to 1 Timothy 2. You're all familiar with this passage, but it is so important. As many Christians as know this passage, I, I really don't believe that many Christians follow it. And that's just kind of personal opinion, so it's, you know, you can still not believe me and be saved. But I, 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 don't, I don't know, I just don't hear people talking um, this so, so that, you know, it sounds like lots of people are doing it. It says, therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Now, I know we have in the United States the National Day of Prayer, and it's a, a day when a lot of people come out and they, and they pray for their leaders. Um, but I'm not sure that this, these verses, I think, are talking about praying for our leaders consistently. And in my mind, consistently is just about daily. You know, that, that part of our prayer life, every day should be pray, praying for our leaders. Uh, they are under intense pressure. We, I know we can... It's really easy for us to criticize our, our leaders because of where some of the decisions that they made and where they're taking us. But I think there's one thing that we really need to measure in our own lives. If we complain more about our leaders than pray for them, then I think we're, we're very, very unbalanced. I think there is, a, there is a line where you could draw. You know, obviously, when we talk about our leaders, we can disagree with them. Um, there's a lot to disagree with, I mean, as, from a point of Christianity. But I think there's also that line of distinction between disagreeing with and then complaining about. Okay, so we, we have to make sure that we don't cross that line and that we do um, spend a lot of time praying for them. Second Chronicles 7.14, another very, very uh, familiar passage where God tells us we need to do four things. And if we do those four things, then I will do three things, God says. Okay, so if, if you want to go to Second Chronicles 7.14, it's fine. If my people who are called by my name, okay, so we're talking about us now. It's written in the Old Testament, written to the Jewish people. But right now, we are the ones grafted in. All right? We're grafted into that vine, that tree. So, uh, as Christians, we're called by God's name. So, he says, first we need to humble ourselves. Okay? And that's, that's not always an easy thing to do, you know, because we think of ourselves sometimes a little more highly than, uh, than we ought um, David says uh, in, the, in the Psalms, he humbled himself with prayer and fasting. And sometimes when we fast, it really humbles us. We realize how much we have to depend on God. So if we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. Now, turning from our wicked ways is basically turning from sin. And there's one word that indicates turning from sin. Anybody know what that one word is? That word is repentance. 
It is so important that we repent. And, you know, uh, repenting can be for ourselves, but we can also repent as Christians for this nation. Okay, for the things that we as the church, because we are the church, uh, we are the body of Christ, for the things that we have not done. Okay, and again, it might not be disobeying the Ten Commandments. It might be just things that God showed us to do and we never did them. Okay, and we need to, we need to repent of them and try and, you know, as best we can to, over, to overcome that. Okay, so uh, what are the three things that God says he will do? Okay, so he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Okay, and our land needs healing, and it's not—it's not going to happen unless the church gets on its knees and repents. You know, repentance is what brings about revival. A lot of uh, people don't, I think, understand what revival is. I think we look at it as many people coming to the Lord, and that's revival. And that's not really revival. Actually, that's a result of revival. But revival is Christians being on their knees and repenting before God for what has been done so that that uh, will got that I'm trying to I'm trying to formulate a word here and it's not coming but that'll bring us to a a, um, a, a time and a, and a season where many will see what's going on in our lives and then uh, come to the Lord and that's why a lot of times a lot of people come to the Lord during a revival. But the revival really starts in our own hearts, in our own hearts of repentance. So what would it be like if all Christians were obedient like this? What would our nation be like if, if everything? How do you think God feels about America? When I think about that, I gotta think, I gotta feel that God is disappointed. Because He's blessed us, He's given us so much, and yet we, we're using so much of our energy in America today to fight against Him rather than, you know, to show uh, what, what we're really like. It, if, I, I think of when Moses was arguing with the Lord over the time that uh, God was so frustrated with the, the uh, Jewish people that he said to Moses, I'm just going to destroy all the Jewish people and I'm going to build a new nation out of you, Moses. And Moses says, no, no, please don't do that. And then he's trying to argue with God and he's thinking, you know, what argument can I use? And he says, well, what's Egypt going to think that you led them out of Egypt into the land of promise, and then after you did that, you destroyed the whole nation. He said, Lord, your reputation is at stake. And I think of that with America. I think God's reputation is at stake too. We're a Christian nation. That's the way most people in the world look at us. Whether we are or not, you know, they, they don't look at it that way. They look at the United States of America as being a Christian nation. And if we fail God, then this is what 
is going to be in the eyes of the rest of the world. That Christianity fails. It really isn't good. So God's reputation is kind of at, at stake here. I'd like to end this with a challenge. And this is something that I did a number of years ago because I heard a preacher who did this. And he asked God to give him God's heart for America. And I thought of that and I said, I I would like to have God's heart for America too. Even though I feel it's probably a broken heart. But when you get a broken heart for something, you think about it often. I mean, you can't not because it's something that's right here all the time. And it really helps you to remember to pray for whatever you need to pray for. In this case, it would be for this country. So I challenge you to do that. And that's something that's totally on your own. And it's not something that you should do if you don't even feel led to do it. But if you do, okay, it will make it easier for you to be in constant prayer for this country because we really, really need it. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this nation that you have placed us in, that you created these boundaries that we're to live in and you gave us this time. And we know that you have a purpose in it. And Lord, we want to fulfill every purpose that you have for our life, and for the life of the church, which we are part of. So, Lord, we ask that you give us wisdom, that you give us strength, that you just uh, pour out your grace, Lord God. Lord, we want to see this country turn around. We want to see this country uh, be a godly nation once again. And it's only in you, Lord, that this can happen. So we pray, Lord, that you give us that, that strength and grace that we need. In your precious name we pray. Amen.